This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's Jodrell Bank Center for Astrophysics. For the full show and archives, visit jodcast.net. Okay, so hello again. It's me, Fiona, and I'm here with Rebecca McFadden um, at the Pulsar Conference. So, uh, Rebecca, do you want to introduce yourself? Hi, I'm Dr. Rebecca McFadden from the University of Oxford, and I'm working in uh, machine learning for Pulsar Detection. Oh, cool. Oh, machine learning. Yeah, that's a real hot topic at the moment, isn't it? <laughs> it's uh, something that we hear about. Um, I mostly hear about through gravitational lensing, but uh, how, how does it apply to pulsars? Um, so basically, we have lots and lots of candidates when, when we uh, do a pulsar survey, and we have to look at very clever ways of determining which candidates are worth keeping and which aren't. Um, and so if you start using machine learning, that's a very quick way of identifying good candidates. So it's the same as any science project with lots and lots of data. Okay, so um, can we maybe talk about in more detail like how that works? So you're, you've got a computer and you're, you're asking it to look at large data sets and form some kind of conclusion about them? <laughs> yes, so... I, I really don't know anything. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's a good start. Um, so we're looking at signals, um, and pulsars, as the name suggests, are pulse-like. So, so you'll get a spike in your data, um, and sometimes that will be from a scientifically interesting object, like a pulsar or a rotating transient, or there's a few different classes of objects. Other times, however, it's just radio frequency interference. So we're here at the telescope, and we have to have our phones turned off. Don't I know it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, part of the reason for that is when you have phones and uh, TV transmissions and all of those sort of things, the dish uh, picks those up. Oh no, a wasp, a wasp. (laughs) God. (laughs) I think they're chasing me around all day because I've got this big flower in my hair. Anyway. (laughs) Yeah, so we we have to use very um, sophisticated algorithms to work out what might be radio interference and what might actually be a real uh, scientific... Um, event, basically. Cool, cool. Um, I think it's uh, really great that they're teaching computers how to do that because uh, it's kind of hard for humans to do. <laughs> and certainly, uh, so I spent a lot of my PhD weeding out RFI from uh, Lovell data, in fact, so I'm very happy that people are being told to turn off their phones. Uh, so I'm, I'm very excited at the thought of computers being taught how to do that. And um, so just to kind of segue a little bit, you're here with uh, two non-astronomer guests. <laughs> um, yeah, so I've brought my three-year-old and my six-year-old, although my six-year-old would probably make an argument that he's he's a little bit of an astronomer. Is he really? Well, I mean, aren't we all astronomers? <laughs> yes. and I think I started being an astronomer when I was about three years old, and uh, I remember it was because I was, I was afraid of the moon. Uh, I used to be really scared of the moon, and uh, I used to like to keep an eye on that, and I always feel like that's why I became an astronomer, you know, so I could kind of know what it was up to <laughs> at all times. This isn't his first conference, is it? Um, no, his first conference, he was four months old, and he went to the uh, International Cosmic Ray Conference in Beijing, in China. <laughs> so he's pretty well-traveled and well-educated already. <laughs> well, cool. Well, uh, thank you so much for doing the interview. It was really nice meeting you. Cheers. Yeah, thank you. Thank you.